0: Greetings and blessings in the worthy name of our Lord Jesus. It is again a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm just again, um, how can I say, humbled by the working of the Spirit and bringing this service together. Um, We could have continued in our devotional and Sunday school lesson and probably come out about the same here. <clears throat> the Lord has taken me uh, from my study in in Mark and given me a, a subject this morning. It's laid a burden on my heart, and I want to be faithful in sharing that with you this morning. I want to just uh, just make note of the songs that we sang. Especially the first one here in the worship service, number 42. Jesus, thy boundless love to me, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Jesus, thy boundless love to me. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful song. I'll not take the time to read it because we sang it. And hopefully we paid attention to the words, what we were singing <clears throat> I am aware this morning that I'm addressing a subject that that uh, will be inexhaustible in our time strengths here. Um, it's one of those subjects that I preached last Sunday at Pilgrim and um, shared just bits and pieces of it at uh, Clay Street the other evening. And uh, so if you... Heard me say some of this, uh, just uh, realize that God wants it, us to hear it again. <clears throat> what is the greatest commandment? Okay. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Turn with me, just so we get that right, turn with me to Matthew 22. Now, Jesus said it a number of times. But in this account, in Matthew 22, Jesus is addressing the lawyer's question. The lawyer came to Jesus, tempting him, and he asked, well, what is the greatest commandment? And this is Jesus' reply. Thou shalt verse 37 of chapter 22. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I've entitled the message, The Greatest Commandment, Love. Love the Lord God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Now, I have this growing conviction And I know that we often focus on our love for each other. And that's not wrong in and of itself. We often focus on the material things. We often focus on the things that we see with our eyes. But I have this growing conviction that when I love God with all of my heart, then all of these other things will fall into place. I'll probably say that more than once this morning because it really is the thrust of my message. And I say when I love God with a perpetual passion, everything else will fall into place. Perpetual passion, a present tense ongoing passion. Loving God with all of my heart. We talked about that in our Sunday school lesson. Brother Steve talked about that in his in his devotional. It is not so much <clears throat> of these things that we deal with. But my question is where is my love for God? I've 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 often came to I I've, I've been thinking about this for some time. I have just reflected back over my life and I've Notice that a number of things that happen when, when there's a breakdown in relationship, when things are uh, being a bit difficult, <clears throat> when I look at, carefully look at those situations and those instances in life, I must just confess that my love for God was waning, was becoming lax, was cooling off. And, and I, I wonder, I wonder if some of our trouble that we face in our lives, personally and relationals, I wonder if, if that is, is a direct uh, revelation of our love for God, or possibly we could say our lack of love for God. <clears throat> You know, we, as I said, we, we focus a lot on our relationship with each other. And it is true. We're going to see in the scriptures where our relationship with each other is a direct link with our relationship with God. And so it's not necessarily wrong in and of itself to focus on our relationships with each other, but the key, the key, um, thing here is that we can we can get along with each other we can we can take care of all of our problems and our struggles but if our love for god isn't where it ought to be it's an endless fighting battle let's fix the problem let's put right perspectives in place first In other words, love God with all of your heart, first of all. And then these things will be simultaneously. They will be uh, perpetual. They will come by second nature. The list could go on. I know what it is to try to fix a losing battle. And you, end, you, you finally come to the place where you've lost. <clears throat> In a real-life example, um, Brother LeVon is one of those instances. LeVon uh, Bontrager, he fought cancer, fought cancer, fought cancer, finally lost. <clears throat> we say, well, okay, okay, brother, okay. I will love God, but what about what? What about I, I gotta have a place to live? I gotta have food to eat. I gotta have clothes to wear. I mean, we need a means of transportation. We, we need this, these things. I mean, I mean, what? You know, we just don't do anything. We focus on God. Well, Jesus said, when, when Jesus was addressing the disciples, he said uh, they, they were concerned about life just like we are. And uh, Jesus said, Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. God knows that. God knows that you have need for food. God knows that you have need for clothes. God knows that you have need for warmth. God knows that you need a vehicle. God knows that. But what did Jesus say right after that? He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto thee. God will take care of that. And so I take from that, I hope I'm not doing violence to the Scriptures, but I take from that, that Jesus, God, wants my love first of all, and then I'll take care of the rest. Just serve me with your whole heart. Love me with all your mind and soul and strength. Love me with all your heart, and I'll take care of the rest. I'll make sure that you have food to eat. I'll make sure that you have clothes to wear. I'll make sure that you'll have a means to provide for yourself. <clears throat> but seek first the kingdom of God. I say again, when we have our love for God and right perspective, all of these things will fall into place. Oh, I have a burden for God's people. I'm afraid, I'm afraid too many of God's people have lost, have left their love for God. And thereby we incur a lot of trouble. Let's turn to the scriptures now in 1 John chapter 4. I'll be taking my text from verse 7 through chapter 5, verse 3. 1 John chapter 4, beginning to read in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, And he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God. God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love. Dwelleth in God and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments and aren't grievous. Now there's a number of things, <clears throat> a number of things that we want to notice in this passage. And I want to take us back to verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Here is love, God loved us when we did not love him. God loved us when we did not love him. And we may ask the question, well, what do you mean? When we didn't love Him, we loved God ever since we were a small child. We were we were on mom and daddy's knees, and they were telling us about these wonderful Bible stories. And we have this high appreciation, this worship of God, this 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 reverence for God. What do you mean we don't? Before God loved us before we loved Him. In fact, in fact, brother, we would have even loved God before we were born if we'd had a possibility, if we'd had that option. What do you mean? You loved God before, or God loved you before you loved Him? Well, well, there's more to it than that. <clears throat> you say, "Yes, we loved God," and there was, there was, we did things that were wrong. We lied or we cheated, and so forth. We felt bad. We felt guilty. We felt the work of God in our lives. And we went to mom and dad. And we confessed our sin, and uh, and and so we. You know, we could take by that that we love God. But beloved, I'm here to say to us that there have been times in my life when I did not love my parents. I did not love my mom and my dad. It was difficult at times. And I did not love my brothers and sisters the way God intended me to love, him, me to love them. And neither did I love them in the sense of God's partaking love in my life. I did not love them with my heart. Why oh, I didn't curse and swear at them necessarily. I didn't raise my fist and didn't beat them up and so forth. Well, we had some fights and tussles. Yes, I must confess that my brothers never did that to my mom or dad, though. Thank God. But there was times when I did not love them. And thereby I'm saying there were there there there, then in those times when I did not love my parents or my brothers and sisters, I did not love God. Say, what do you mean? Because my love for my parents and my brothers and sisters is synonymous to loving God. And when I first when I first came to know God and gave Him my my heart, my passions, and then I found a new love for my parents and my brothers and sisters in a way that I hadn't known before. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The love of God will make a difference in our lives and all of our relationships. Yes, indeed, it will. <clears throat> now, there's something interesting about God's love. God's love is eternal, God's love was pre existent to mankind. It always will be. In eternity future. Well there is no such thing really. But in eternity God's love is existent. We often we may not think of it in this way. But God's love is self existent. We say readily we would agree that God is self existent. But the truth of it is that love is God. And God is love. You cannot separate the two. God's love is self-existent. God does not need you or I to love him in order to complete his love. God is the only person that I know of. Uh, Let me rephrase that. God is the only one that can love himself righteously, purely, and wholly. You try to love yourself and you're self destruct Man's love is not self-existent. Next point. Because God loved us, we must love one another. Our love is not self-existent. Our love is not self-existent. God's love is self-existent. God can, can love himself purely, righteously, and wholly. God needs no other person, needs no other creature to love him, to complete his love. Boy, that'll make us feel good, don't it? Now, let me say, lest there's a sensitive person here. Let me say with the same passion that God loves you. And he loves when you love him. That's why God made you with a choice. In the beginning of time. That's why God made you with a choice so that you can choose to love God. And that glorifies God. It is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that is reward of them that diligently seek him. Uh, See, I didn't say that right. Uh, By faith, without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that is reward of them that diligently seek him. Uh, what did that come to my mind? I don't know, but 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 God is self-existent, and and God made us with a choice, and God loves for us to to to, uh, um, to love Him. Indeed, He does. But let's say let's say every man, woman, and boy, every person, every person that God ever made. That was ever created would end up in hell. Not a soul, not a soul would end up in heaven. Would God not be love? Yes, God would still be love. God would still be love. Now you may be thinking, where is this guy going with this theology? I I want us to think. I want us to think. I want us to think about our position with God. I want to make such an indelible impression on us that we leave these doors loving God with a passion like we've never loved him before. God doesn't need us, but oh, beloved, we need God. You'll not make it. We'll never make it. We'll not have any hope in this life nor the life to come without God. We need Him. He's our only hope. <clears throat> Many a man, our love is not self-existent. God has created us in such a way that we love each other. God has made us a desire, given us a desire for each other. Um. I, I, I know there are many that display an attitude of self sufficiency. I understand that. In fact, I think of a, of a man in the community some time ago. Uh, I would have claimed him to be a self sufficient man. Nothing in this world would have bothered him. He lived as though he was self existent, he didn't need anybody, including his wife or his family. But the time came when his wife threatened to leave him. I seen that man become emotional. And I said you know. He may act like he's self-sufficient. He may act like he doesn't need the love of his wife. But right there he's displaying. That he does need the love of his wife. He loves her. And he wants her love. I'll tell you God has made us in such a way. It's such a unique unique and a marvelous way. God has made us so that we love each other. We find love with each other. We find love from God. We find our love to God in and, in and, of, in and through each other. It's just amazing. It's, a, it's just a mix of spaghetti. It, 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 we cannot separate it. The love from God and, and our love for each other. <clears throat> Here in his love, not that we love God but that He loved us. God is love. <clears throat> and so because that God loved us, we must love one another. We must love one another. And we find fulfillment, we find life in love, we find love in God. We find thereby we find life in God as well. And verse 12, we know that God is in us when we love each other. No man hath seen God at any time, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us. Again, again we we emphasize probably too often, we emphasize, we overemphasize our love for one another and we underemphasize our love for God. I want to reverse that this morning. I want to emphasize our love for God. But here's a sure promise that if, that if we love one another, God dwells in us. You can be sure that God is dwelling in your life when you love one another. The Bible is true. Let's take it at its face value. God is not telling us a lie here. God's word is true. And so if we love one another, God dwells in us. We know that God is in us when we love each other. We also know that our love for God is true when we love each other and keep his commandments. We see in verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. Because he hath given us of his spirit, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 5, uh, that that whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him, that begat loveth him also, that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And so we know that our love for God is true when we love each other and we keep his commandments. We can never separate our love for God and our love for each other. Don't try to convince anyone that you love God when you find it difficult to love those around you and you know and, and you knowingly disobey the truths that you already know. Don't try to convince yourself, don't try to convince me, nor anyone else, and for sure don't try to convince God. That you love him when you find it difficult or impossible to love those around you. It doesn't work. The Bible is also true in that. That our evidence of our love for God is displayed in a love for the brethren. For those around us. And our love for God is also exemplified. Or we, we know that the love of God is true when we love each other with a true heart. With all of our heart. The first commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And the second thy neighbor as thyself. Well then we want to ask the question. How do we truly show our love for those around us. And thereby best display our love for God. Go back to chapter 3 just across the page. Chapter 3 verses 16 through 18. Uh, The Apostle John gives us some practical examples of how we display our love for each other. Hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I tell you, beloved, that's a principle. That's a principle we must emphasize. That's a principle that many, many A people that claims to be a child of God does not have a grasp on and possibly doesn't even understand to a smallest elementary capacity. I'm not quite through with the subject after self-denial. But right here it is. Again, comes up before us. Self-denial. Look at this principle of love. Jesus Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Now we cannot picture in our, we can only picture in our minds. We cannot grasp the full reality of it all. But picture in your minds Jesus at the trial those few days or day and night. Of the trial when he was, when he was mocked and criticized and spat on and slapped in the face and and beat and whipped and and and, 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 and ign- ignored and, and denied and 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 made fun of, and the list could go on and on and on. And then finally, they come, he comes to the Roman soldiers, and they beat him with rods and whips, and and place the crown of thorns on his head, and beat that into his head. And where the man is just the the body is just physically weak and exhausted, and cannot carry the cross, cannot even carry a fifty pound uh, beam on its own. Cannot even carry that. He falls under the weight. He's, he's exhausted. He is misused and mutilated. Literally. He laid down His life for, for us. And he, 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 as, they, as they tied the cross together and as they laid Him on the, on the cross or, or could I say probably in better terminology threw Him on the cross, threw Him down and, and drove those spikes with those big hammers and strong men, strong arms drove those nails into His hands and through His feet and when they set the cross up they plopped it down into the hole and and, and just tore into this flesh. Hereby I perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Do we understand the capacity of love that the Father has showed to us? Do we understand in a small way? Oh, may God just enlighten our minds and give us a give us a heart of passion and a heart of understanding of knowing how much that we love the brethren. It means to lay down our lives for the brethren. Not to do some good thing on a Saturday morning or some Saturday afternoon or some Sunday night or some Wednesday night kneel down on a special time and in prayer for this brother. It's more than that. It's exhausting ourselves for the brethren. It's when you keep going when you can't go anymore. You exhaust yourselves. Love the brethren. Have we given ourselves? Have we denied ourselves? Have we laid down our lives for our brother or sister? I'm asking us the question, what does that mean in a practical way? He says in verse 17 and 18, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love in a way that shows it in reality. Now, what does that mean in a practical way? It means that if I I see a brother or sister have need, and I have the means, the funds to do it, then I reach in my pocket and I help him. That's what that means. If I have the finances to, to help that brother, then I reach in my pocket and I take care of that. That's a practical outworking that the Apostle John talks about, that we help, We we display our love for each other when we give of our finances. We do not express our love when we say, Oh brother, I feel sorry for you. I wish you wouldn't have this this trouble. I hope hope it works out for you. Hope you can make it. We never do anything about it. That's not love. It's no love at all. Say, well, I I, I at least express concern. Well, that's a good beginning, but it's not the end of love. I'm talking about self sacrifice. When I give my money and don't know whether I'm going to be able to buy groceries this week or not, I'm going to trust God to take care of that. But I'm going to help my brother. Self sacrifice. Love. Now, many a person, you may, those of you that are rich and have money, who have lots of money, you may say, "Hmm, boy, what is he saying to me now?" Makes me feel uncomfortable. <clears throat> well, you need to hear that. But the other is also true. <clears throat> the other is also true. That if I'm one of those that has little less than the other. And, uh, you know, I may, I may think, yeah, right, come on, preach it, brother. Those rich people, they need to hear that. Beloved, listen to me. If I'm a poor beggar in the church, community, wherever, if I'm a poor beggar, and I sit right next to a man, to a brother in the church that drives a Cadillac Escalade, that has a, a mansion of a house that has a multi-million dollar worth of business. I must love him the same as I love the person right beside me on the other side that may not have as much as I do. What do you mean? Well, of course we love him. That's right. That's right. We must love him. Uh, We must love him to the extent that we're not envious of him. We have no hard feelings. We have no... No, no envy, we have no uh, bitterness, we have no, you know, why don't he see it? You know, he, he ought he to he do this and he ought to do that. No, no, beloved, we love him the same. Even though that he would never, ever need any penny of mine. I I must still love Him the same. I cannot have any envy. I cannot harbor any evil thoughts. I cannot harbor bad feelings. And when He drives in with His Cadillac Escalade, and I drive in with my old, wore-out beater bomb, that's okay. That's okay. And you're glad that God has blessed him in that way. You bless him in that way. You do that. Thereby you display your love for that brother. And consequently, therefore, you display your love for God. You see, when I love God, when I love God with all of my heart, I can love the brother that is a poor church mouse I can love the brother that is a multimillionaire. When I love God, there's no difference. Brother Steve wrote, read to us the scriptures. There's no difference between bond or free, Jew or Gentile. There's no difference, beloved, between the poor and the rich. We must love. <clears throat> And sometimes that means to just do with less. Sometimes that means that the brother, are all of all of my brothers and sisters, they can do things that I cannot do. That's okay. But see, when I start when I start saying, "Well, it's not fair," it's not fair, and then we start to blame God, and then we. We start, we start blaming each other. It's not love. It's not love at all. <clears throat> My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Oh, we, can, we can tell... Uh, we, can tell, we can try to convince the world or the church, we can try to convince others that we truly love them, but our actions speak much, much louder than our words. <clears throat> Dad always said more is caught than taught. I'm just realizing that. <clears throat> That's a practical way of how we show our love for each other. Now, the next question is, how then do we perfect God's love in us? Well, he tells us that in verse uh, verse 17. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, verse 12. Verse 12, "No No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. We perfect God's love in us by loving each other. Or in other words, we could say that we complete God's love When we love each other. How that. I mean. While that God's love is self-existent. And in one sense. God is very selfish with his love. Yet. Yet. Yet our love. Our love is perfected. By God's love in us. And when we love each other. You know. We can have the love of God in us. And and like I said, God loves every human being, every soul that ever breathed. God loved that that person. And God loves each of us here this morning. And and, and God in, in one real sense, well, no, not even in one real God loves us even when we don't love Him. I mean, that's that's the scriptures that God loved us. Before we loved him, and even in an ongoing process, if I don't, if I choose not to love God, God's still going to love me. Oh, I can tell. I just opened up a can of worms there. But please stay with me. God. And so God's love is is self-existent in that sense. And yet, and yet, as God loves me, and I choose to love God that love between me and God is perfected when I love those around me. It's made complete. My love for God is not complete in and of itself, just me loving God. But me loving God is completed as I love those around me. I just love John's writing. It's so plain for us to understand. I don't know what we don't get about it. You know what my problem is? My problem is, the reason I don't get it is because it's not in my heart. It's some some lofty idea out here floating around in the air. And when, when, when we get a hold of God, or God gets a hold of us, we should say, in a more proper way, when God gets a hold of us, and we see what Jesus gave you and I. What he did for you and I. And the, and the love that he had for you and I. Why would we not love him? I say, sinner friend, will you not give him everything? Will you not love him with all of your heart? Love God with all of your heart. And your love for him will be perfected as you love those around you. Well, then secondly, we may ask the question, well, why do we want to perfect God's love in us? You know, isn't it just easier to, to, to love God myself? And, because there are some people that are just plain unlovely. Well, that's right. And they're a test to our true Christian love. I believe God puts people, puts those people into our lives that are very, very difficult to love for that very purpose, the same as he put the, the tree of good of knowledge of good and evil in the garden. He wants us to choose to love God. Now why did I say he wants he, what didn't I say He wants us to choose to love each other? Because when you and I love God, it will not be so difficult to love that unlovely person. Because God's love is perfected in us. When we were unlovely. We were despicable before God. And he loved us in spite of our nastiness. And we want to perfect God's love in us. Indeed we do. Otherwise we'll not see him. Verse 17. Here it is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You want to see God? You must perfect his love in us. Yes, he, yes, he must. He must per, we must perfect God's love in us, and God's love will be perfected in us if we love each other. And so indeed, we want to f- perfect the love of God in our lives. <clears throat> we want to see Him. Indeed, we do. We want to see Jesus. There is no love, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love, verse 18, but perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. Uh, the examples that I gave and I talked about, you know, we come to the place where we start being afraid of each other. We're afraid of the rich man's going to be afraid of what the poor man thinks, and the poor man's going to be afraid of the rich man and his power. But, beloved, perfect love casts out fear. Think about Adam and Eve. There was a time, there was a time when Adam and Eve loved to hear God come to the garden. They loved to commune with God. But when they disobeyed God and sin came into the world, into their lives, and God comes trekking through the garden, Adam and Eve are afraid of God. They run and hide. They don't want to see God. What's the problem? What's the difference between now and before? Before, they loved God. And in loving God, they trusted Him. They knew Him. But when sin came, they were afraid of God. In other words, there was a point and time and decision in their lives that they had to decide that loving God the fruit that they were eating was more important than loving God. And so their love for God was cooling off. They didn't love God. Else, if they would have loved God, they would not have disobeyed God. And so now... They were afraid of God. You see, that's why the Apostle John says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Think of Cain and Abel. That's a relational thing on this level. Adam and Eve was with God. And now it's with this level. Cain and Abel. There was a time when those boys grew up together. I'm sure they had happy times. But the time came when... I don't believe that Abel was so much. Well, we don't read about Abel's fear about Cain, but there was a time when Cain feared God. He was afraid of God. Why was it? Because he did not love God. He did not love God with a passion, he did not love God with all of his heart. And thereby he was afraid of God. Think about your own relationships that are less than ideal. You become afraid of that person and eventually of God. Oh, beloved, may we rest assured of God's love and live in peace without fear. Turn with me to 1 John 3. Turn back to the next chapter, verses 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Beloved, beloved, rest in this. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Why is it so difficult for us to love each other? Why is it so difficult? Why is it so that God's people have such at odds with each other? I'm afraid. I'm afraid we don't see. We don't have a full grasp of loving God with all of our hearts. Of all that Jesus did for you and for me. Why are we so concerned? Why are we so with these petty little things? Well, it's not fair. I don't have this. and They they have that. Such a childish play. Rest in God's love. Be assured, beloved, this morning that God loves you. God gave everything for you. Will we not love Him with all of our heart? And thereby... It will not be difficult. It will not be difficult for us to love others. We are His spiritual children purely entirely because of His love. It's nothing we have done. Beloved, it is nothing that you or I have done or said or acted upon that makes us His spiritual children. We see in 1 John here that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. It's entirely on the basis of the Father loving us. And without him we have nothing. We're all lost sinners. We're doomed to hell. We'll never make it. It's entirely on the basis of God's love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who is going to? I want to turn now to Romans. Romans, uh, let's see, chapter eight. Romans eight thirty-five through thirty-nine. <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep uh, for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For, in, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Nor height nor depth nor any of the creatures shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I find it interesting. I find it interesting that he asked the question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he never mentions a person's name after that. But he makes a whole list of things that he asks us the question, shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness? That's not a person. So why didn't the Apostle Paul, why didn't he... Well, that's my... That's contangible. Okay. But the Apostle, whoever wrote Romans... That's why he said, uh, why, didn't, why then didn't he say, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Again, beloved, it is, not, it is not the things around us that will separate us from the love of Christ. It is either me or God that will separate our love for God. And of course, God is not going uh, to fall on his side of the contract. It's me. And so the question, the permeating question is will I separate myself from the love of God? That's what it boils down to. And I want to just now point out verse 28 as well. And that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now we say that flippantly. And uh, we kind of pat ourselves on the back because we love God. But I say to us, beloved, we will not be disturbed. We will not become upset. We will not become irritated when things don't go well. Because our focus is on our love for God. Indeed, now let me quote out of Oswald Chambers. uh, He has a way... He has a way to get right down to the bottom and say it like it is. And so I want to quote him. Uh, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Paul is speaking of the things that might seem likely to separate or wedge in between the saint and the love of God. But the remarkable thing is that nothing can wedge in between the love of God and the saint. These things can and do come in between the devotional exercises of the soul and God and separate individual life from God. But none of them is able to wedge in between the love of God and the soul of the saint. The bedrock of the Christian faith is the unmerited, fathomless marvel of the love of God exhibited on the cross of Calvary. A love we never can and never shall merit. Paul says, "This is the reason we are more than conquerors in all these things. Super victors. We are jo- with a joy we would not have, but for the very things which look as if they were going to overwhelm us." Let me read that again, so that we get it good. Paul says, "This is the reason we are more than conquerors in all these things. Super victors. With a joy we would not have, but for the very things which look as if they were going to overwhelm us." The surf that distresses the ordinary swimmer produces in the surf rider the super joy of going clean through it. Apply that to our own circumstances. The very things, tribulation, distress, persecution, produce in us the super joy. There are not things to fight. We are more than conquerors through him in all these things. Not in spite of them, but in the midst of them. The saint never knows the joy of the Lord in spite of tribulation, but because of it. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulations, says Paul. Undaunted radiance is not built on anything passing, but on the love of God that nothing can alter. The experiences of life, terrible or monotonous, are impossible to reach, to touch the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. That's why... That's why, beloved, we can joy in tribulation and troubles and trials is because we learn to love God in a deeper way. And so we say, bring it on like the Apostle Paul. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. And too many of us are so pansy and so soft and so weak. We resist those troubles. We resist those tribulations. And we dare not do that. We have the love of God in our hearts we will welcome that. Because we'll know it will know it'll make a deeper, a deeper walk with, a, with the Heavenly Father. Now, we know, we experience, we experience. And this is another interesting thing, sideline. We experience the grace of God in a capacity that we would never ever experience and know. If we had not gone through those trials and tribulations the same as you will not know the power of temptation if you never resist it. If you never have a resistance, you'll not know the power of of it. And so, beloved, if you'll not go through a tribulation, if you say, no, God, I I don't want to go through that. I've been through enough of that. I'm going to resist it. I'm going to turn away. If that's all the Christian life is about, then forget it. I say we'll never know the power of the grace of God in our lives. We'll never know it. We have to experience it to know it. We have to walk that ugly, tough road in order to know it. Now there's a number of other things. Beloved, I know, I know time is moving on, but stay with me. I want to go now to 1 Corinthians 13. We have something there that talks about love in a very practical way. Uh, Please don't throw me out. Don't throw me out today. I'm not quite through yet with this subject. I know it's inexhaustible. I know we could spend all day here and we'd not get done. But please, we want to look at this very, these very, very important aspects of love. And our love for God. God seemed to kind of add this to it. And I, I want to be faithful in just bringing it to our attention. Reading, verses, uh, reading the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Um, let me do something here that's a bit, um, I, I don't like to do this. Um, well, I mean, I like to do it if it's a, if it's a benefit, but I'm going to read, I want you to read, follow along in the King James and I'm going to read from the living Bible. Now, uh, the reason I said that is because I'm not an advocate of using other translations in, in public, uh, places. I think we ought to stick with the with the authorized version and uh, stick with the King James. I have that uh, conviction, and I think we ought to. Uh, I, I want to stay real and and stay with that. However, this has a way of saying, putting into words this some of these words that I think are very helpful. Um, so, I guess I'm asking for your forgiveness rather than your permission. Uh, For first Corinthians 13, if I had the gift of being able to speak in other tongues without learning them and could speak in every language there there is in all heaven and earth, but didn't love others, I would only be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what is going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it do? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I have to poor people, and if I were burned alive for preaching the gospel but didn't love others, it would be of no value whatever. Love is very patient and kind. Never jealous or envious. Never boastful or proud. Never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly ever notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what their cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. All the special gifts and powers from God will someday come to an end, but love goes on forever. Someday prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge, these gifts will disappear. Now we know so little, even with our special gifts, and the preaching of those most gifted is still so poor. But when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end, and they will disappear. It's like this, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child does. But when I became a man, my thoughts grew far beyond those of my childhood. And now I have put away the childish things. In the same way, we can see and understand only a little about God now, as if we were peering at his reflection in a poor mirror. But someday we're going to see him in his completeness face to face. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred. But then I will see everything clearly, just as clearly as God sees into my heart right now. There are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The excellent way, had in view in the close of a former chapter, is not what is meant by charity of our common use of the world word alms-giving but love in its fullest meaning true love to god and man without this the most glorious gifts are of no account to us of no esteem in the sight of god a clear hand and a deep under a clear head and a deep understanding are of no value without a benevolent and charitable heart there may be an open and lavish hand where there is not a liberal and charitable heart doing good to others will do none to us if they be not done from love to God and goodwill to men. If we give away all we have, while we withhold the heart from God, it will not profit. Nor even the most painful sufferings. How are those deluded who look for acceptance and reward for their good works, which are scanty scanty and defective, as they are corrupt and selfish? Some of the effects of charity are stated, That we may know whether we have this grace and that if we have not. We may not rest till we have it. This love is a clear proof of regeneration and is a touchstone of our professed faith in Christ. In this beautiful description of the nature and effects of love, it is meant to show the Corinthians that their conduct had in many respects been a contrast to it. Charity is an utter enemy to selfishness. It does not desire or seek its own praise or honor or profit or pleasure. Not that charity destroys all regards to ourselves or that the charitable man should neglect himself and all his interests. But charity never seeks its own to the hurt of others or to neglect others. It ever prefers the welfare of others in its, to its private advantage. How good natured and amiable is Christian charity? How excellent would Christian would Christianity appear to the world if those who profess it were more, more under this divine principle and paid due regard to the command on which its blessed author laid the chief stress? Let us ask whether this divine love dwells in our hearts. Has this principle guided us in becoming behavior to all men? Are we willing to lay aside selfish objects and aims, beloved? Are we willing to lay all self down for our brother? Are we willing to love God with all of our heart? I feel so inadequate. May we love God. May I love God. May I be an example of loving God with all of my heart. Let's kneel to pray. Our gracious and loving Eternal Father, Thank Thee again for this opportunity to be exposed to Your Word. Thank You, Father, for loving me. Thank You for loving each soul that is here. Father, we can just rest in that. That one sins, Father, regardless of what we do, You still love us. You loved us when we were unlovely, when we were sinners, and we walked the whole way. God, even now you love us when we become selfish and envious and we're more concerned about ourselves than we are you or others. God, just forgive us. Forgive us again. Just pray that you would give each each heart here a passion for you like we've never had before. So that our love for you is really the only thing that matters in this life. Because if we love you then we'll love our wife and our husband and our children our parents and our grandparents our brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and uncles and aunts and we'll love the church family the brothers and sisters we worship with We'll love our neighbors, those who we work for, those that work for us. Father, we'll even love those that want to hurt us. We'll love those that aren't so very kind to us. Father, forgive us for worrying about that and neglecting our love for you. We want to love you, Father. We desire more love. May you bless us to that end. We pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen.